Well, welcome, Dr. Travis Perry. Thanks for taking the time to be on here and having this discussion with us here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm just excited to go ahead and leverage some of your background. Um, I know you have uh, obviously a lot of studies with the family and you've written your book about balance and, and your family itself. So just kind of excited to get to know more about you. But I thought to start out with, um, if I could just hear a little bit about your family and, and uh, you know, if you could just tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, sure. Um, so my wife and I have been married, it'll be 21 years um, here in a couple of weeks. And then uh, we have eight children uh, ranging ages from 20 down to eight weeks old. Um, two of our children are actually serving missions for the church right now, one in Peru, in Cusco, Peru, and the other one in Sydney, Australia. And then we have two boys, a 16-year-old boy and a 13-year-old boy, and then we have uh, four girls. So we've got a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 2-year-old, and now our newborn. So uh, my wife, she is incredibly patient. She's incredibly loving and uh, has been able to utilize her time daily to homeschool the kids. I'm involved as, as much as possible as dad and support, uh, but she's really there at home running, running the school, running the home and the family um, while I get to go off and, and help other people manage their time and and have more balance so they can be with their family. Wow. Very exciting. Well, congratulations then on the new little one. Um, in Thank fact, uh, my wife and I are expecting uh, our fourth child here. We have three boys and nice. uh, expecting a, a new little one here in just a couple of months and a month or so. Um, and we have three boys. So I, I wonder, uh, maybe you've seen a little bit of both. Um, you know, there's a, there's a saying that, that, uh, maybe, maybe girls are a little bit harder to, to raise, maybe boys are a little bit harder to raise, but kind of what's been your experience uh, just trying to get an idea of what to expect here. You know, I came from a family of five boys and one girl and, you know, my, my sister and I, we're actually the closest in age. And, um, you know, I think I thought it was fun growing up with her. Um, I don't know. I, I can see the difference of having a bunch of boys together they're obnoxious. They're goofy. Uh, they're more risky. Um, they wrestle and fight and they're rougher physically, potentially, you know, and this is being very, very gendered. Um, <laughs> but you know, on the opposite side, uh, you know, our girls are tend to be a little bit more mellow, lower risk takers, um, maybe more shy or, uh, you know, reserved, and definitely they're not jumping off of the rocks and boulders as much as our boys. But uh, I, I think, to, you know, that said, you know, kind of having the gender differences that are very normative. I mean, there are still um, some of our boys are very sensitive and, <laughs> uh, the, you know, really in touch with their feelings and understand, uh, you know, uh, that the, how that plays out in their relationships. But then I also have uh, several girls who... They, they'd be the first one in the water if they're jumping off of cliffs. They'd be the first one in the boat if there was, you know, uh, a boat on the lake. Like, so I think uh, it, it kind of just depends. Um, so that said, that, 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 that said, uh, I think as a dad, having, um, I think the age really matters. So if we talk about, you know, younger aged boys, 
versus older aged boys um, or younger age girls versus older age girls. Cause we talk about children, like, you know, we tend to think, Oh, it's young kids or whatever. Um, and especially when I tell people we have eight children, they go, wow. I'm like, no, they're not all five and they didn't all come together. <laughs> like we have older and younger. So, um, you know, I think when it comes to girls, I think there's easier for dad to parent, um, as a dad for me, I'm just talking about me with, with younger girls as they get older, they start to become young women and they start to have emotional needs that are a lot of times better <laughs> satisfied with mom talking them through and working it out. And, um, I wouldn't say it's the flip for boys, uh, but maybe it's just because they become more of my buddies as they get older and, and my friend, and, you know, I, I see them more as, uh, uh, equals not that I don't do that for for my daughters. It's it's just in a different respect. Um, so you know, I, I would say it probably just depends on the age and the and where they are in life. But but for me, yeah, I'd say uh, you know, as the girls get older and emotional concerns versus the boys, and 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 again having that relationship of hey, let's go mountain biking together. Let's go do these other things. That said. Uh, my daughters will go and do some of those things with me. It might just take a little more prodding. It might take a little bit more of, of pleading on dad's part to, to, to come and do some of those fun things. And I definitely try and be there for their ballet, for their dance, for their music stuff, the things that they really enjoy and support them in it uh, as much as, as I can. Um, but, uh, I hope, I hope that makes sense. My rambling makes sense. Yeah. Oh no, no, I like it. That's some, that's some great insight. Definitely can see, you know, it, it's going to change from, from every person and, and those, uh, those roles or, or, uh, well, um, kind of boundaries won't always fit, but, uh, I, it's good to see that it also kind of changes with that age. So it gives me a little, it gives me a little insight there and, uh, helps me, helps me see that. But I did kind of want to keep going a little on that question and, and just see maybe if you had some lessons kind of going back um, throughout, throughout the life of your kids and, and maybe even growing up yourself, if there was any impactful financial home evenings or financial home kind of financial lessons that you had learned throughout your life that maybe kind of stuck out in your memory that, mm -hmm. that you could share with us. Yeah. It's funny when I was thinking about this, uh, one there, there's one family home evening where my parents actually sat us all down as kids. And I, I don't, maybe I was like nine or 10 or something. Cause I, I do remember it. And I remember it vividly that they actually explained, um, with like a, a, a puzzle piece or a, a pie graph or something, they took kind of pieces out and said, Hey, I don't think they gave specific numbers, but they said, this is how much you know, dad that makes, makes money for our family. This is how much that we bring home to the home. And, uh, you know, this percentage goes to paying for our home. This percentage goes to groceries and, and food. And this percentage goes to clothes and this percentage goes to tithing and fast offerings. And they just kind of broke it all down and not necessarily in that order. Um, but they explained kind of the purpose of each and quite honestly, that is, that's probably my first memory of talking to my parents about money. But I know I had one of those piggy banks that everybody had in the <laughs> 80s, like the 10% tithing and the savings and the mission, you know, and I totally did that. My parents uh, did, a, did a pretty good job of helping me have habits and things. But when it 
when it comes down to like, this is where all the money was coming from. And maybe it's because as we were getting older, we're starting to ask for like, we want the nice shoes and we want the cool <laughs> clothes and we wanted to fit in at school. And I think my, my parents, like you boys, you're, you blow through shoes every other month and you, you, you know, you wear out those jeans that we just got, like, what's the point of buying you really nice stuff if you're just going to destroy it? <laughs> I honestly think that was why my parents were like, okay, let's, let's start teaching about where all this money is going. And that uh, for, at least for me, that was, that was really impactful um, for my family of origin. For our family, we've done things like this in the past. We also sit down with our children one-on-one um, -on -one every month, and we go over their goals and we talk about money with them. This is not a one-and-done. And I don't think that necessarily was my parents' design because they talked to us about money throughout our life, but uh, we've been very proactive about it and helping them manage their funds and save for mission, save for college and uh, you know, there are other financial goals that they have be entrepreneurish or, or, or whatever it may be. We're helping them to, to get there. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's really been a very beneficial thing for our family. Wow. That's just a lot of great insight there. Um, so you have it kind of set up where you're talking with them one-on-one. -on -one. Is it kind of just a, a one-off, um, or is it kind of scheduled or is it kind of somewhere in between or how does that, how do you kind of make sure that happens as you work with them and, um, can you give me any more insight how, how you kind of yeah. make that happen? So my, my father, you know, he was very much a, a Covey day planner type of person followed, you know, the, the whole time management scripts and, and things back in again, eighties and nineties. And I remember he always had his Franklin day planner, his <laughs> Covey Franklin, uh, or, or Franklin Covey planners. And, you know, that, that really influenced me, influenced me to be cognizant of my time and very goal oriented. And I know that most members of the church were very goal oriented people as a society and culture. Um, but it, it got me thinking about time in a different perspective. And so with that, my, my dad, once a month, he would sit down with us and do PPIs, personal priesthood interviews back in the days, what we used to call them. So when I became a father, um, you know, I remember my, my daughter, poor girl, our oldest daughter, I think I sat her down. She's probably like when she can sit down. So, you know, she was a toddler sitting on a, <laughs> on a little step outside of our apartment as we were, uh, attending BYU at the time. And I said, you know, this is our first PPI, like her and I, and, you know, and this was something that I knew I wanted to do with my children as my dad did it with me and it was, it's just special time. I looked forward to getting his counsel and his guidance and and knowing where where I could use his support. Mom was there in the home a lot. Uh, she she didn't, you know, work outside the home until we were pretty much all gone. And then it was just part-time stuff here and there. But my dad ran his own business and you know, I saw him as successful and I wanted to follow his path as a successful father and successful business owner. And so I did this with my own children. And I was very religious with this, by the way, and ooh, I would meet with him once a month. And as more kids came, you know, it became more time. <laughs> and then when we made the decision to start homeschooling our children, I, I saw this flip happen where um, mom, A, already knew like everything that's going on in their life. Like she's there, she's, she's there in the home. They're with her all the time. And it was interesting as I was doing these PPIs and as my kids were getting older, I just had this thought like, 
I should ask Angela before I go in to these people. I was like, what's actually going on? What are the concerns? Just trying to get her insight. And I, I kind of ran these on our own. And then we went to a homeschool conference and uh, my wife was hearing somebody saying that they actually do parent interviews with their children and both the mom and the dad are there. And we talked this over and I thought, well, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. My dad always did along with this, like a priest of responsibility, but um, why would I not bring my wife in? To, at first, it was just like, hey, come and help me. Like, where are they educationally? And what are they doing? And, how, you know, what is it we need to work on? Since that, like, we never, we've never looked back. We now do these every fast Sunday. Um, we meet with our children one on one and they have a rotating schedule. And they're honestly, they're waiting at the door. They're knocking, like, hey, is it our turn yet? Can we go next? Like, they cannot wait. Even now, our, our two-year-old that we're starting to to meet with just a little bit, focus on like one little thing. Um, <laughs> you know, as they get older, it's it's more complex. But we've been doing, you know, goal setting and planning with them since they were little. Um, and then now as the church has kind of let go of the Boy Scouts program and really focused on both primary and now youth age of, hey, what, what you know, the goal, you know, goal setting, the goal process and how this can help us become more like Christ. Uh, we feel like we've, we've really been doing this for years. Um, and it's really been a prep, but now it's, it's nice. It's very nice that we're all on the same page church wide that, you know, everyone is really focused on goals and achieving those goals in their youth and primary programs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just another thing to say, great family, uh, you know, uh, directed, church supported. And uh, it's it's just been a helpful process to to meet with them monthly. We'll, we'll talk about money. You know, uh, we consider finances to be part of the physical aspect of life. And uh, we'll talk about education. We'll talk about all the different areas they're focused in on. And what we've come to see is as they get older, we're spending more time with them. <laughs> they need more things. They need more help. They're developing in different areas. We talk about uh, marriage and mission. We talk about uh, their bodies developing. Um, you know, we talk about sexuality and, um, uh, you know, preventing abuse and all, all sorts of emotional challenges they may be going through. And we, we handle that a lot of times. They're one-on-one, -on -one, uh, really two-on-one with our children and just having mom involved has, has made <laughs> all the difference. <laughs> wow. Well, that's just, that's just a great insight there. Just bringing in both of you guys, just having you there talking about it and, and having both of this work. I imagine that's such a special time for your child to kind of be the center of attention, especially, you know, in a larger family where um, that attention is split constantly. I can only imagine that that's even for the two-year-old, you know, whether it's two minutes or, or however long you spend with her, that just having that, that focus, um, something, something extra special. And, and also gives, it sounds like it gives you the opportunity to just go and, and talk about, um, you know, a variety of different topics. So just thanks so much for sharing, sharing that Absolutely. little insight. Kind of um, along the same lines here, um, I know you, you have this expertise in kind of developing a balance. And, and I wonder if there's anything you're incorporating now to, to kind of help your kids develop that skill set. Is that something that they're, they're maybe picking up from you or something specifically that you're, you kind of help develop them on or um, just kind of what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think balance is still very much the top of, of our mind of, okay, you know, I don't want to 
go off and teach everybody else about having great balance and achieving goals in their life, which, you know, I wrote a book, Achieving Balance, uh, you know, for business owners, but it can be utilized for parents, uh, homeschool moms. I've given presentations at homeschool conventions, church functions. Uh, I, I think the principles are sound. Um, my next, my second book is called Balanced Growth. You can get that at balancedgrowthbook.com. And that's really on how do we grow a business and keep our balance? So I, I, I find that as I'm getting questions, as I'm getting these concerns and I'm focusing on balance, like how can I bring this back to my home? And one of those things that we focus in on is, okay, you may set 20 goals for the year, but what's really the most important this month, this week? Um, what What's the most important thing that if you just did this one and prioritize those goals? prioritize the focus of those goals. And it's okay. Um, some people really struggle with goal setting and goal achievement because they don't achieve the things that they want to. And a lot of times it's just because they didn't put enough time toward it. They didn't put enough emphasis on it. They didn't prioritize it. So it doesn't get done. And changing that perspective of from goal management or time management to priority management, I believe is the change that people need to be focusing on. So when we meet with our children, it's very much like, hold on here. You know, you just said you want this, 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 and accomplish this, this, this. Like, when, when are you going to make time for those things? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really push back to them. Like, show me when are you making time and what's the most important thing if you just got that one done. Great focus on that first then do the next one. That way, if they come in and they report on last month, they're like, hey, last month I did this and the other. Great. Um, you know, Was that the most important thing? And they can say, yeah, that's helping them see this is what balance really is. Balance isn't achieving everything. It's not going around trying to do everything at the same time. It's not equilibrium. It is simply making time for our highest priorities so we can live our purpose. And, uh, you know, each of us have a different purpose and mission in life. And as we achieve that purpose, we feel balanced. It's a psychological, spiritual feeling of, wow, I'm actually moving towards my purpose. I'm accomplishing my mission here in life. Wow, that's extra special. So just helping them as uh, as they tell you all the different things that they're working on, you're you're helping them to prioritize. So you have that kind of guiding hand when they're when they're still wanting to listen to you and they're still kind of talking with them. You're helping them to prioritize and develop um, that muscle and and developing that balance. One of one of kind of our core values here at Good Better Best is is this idea of. Uh, oftentimes you do have to give up really good things to get the better and best things. And and sometimes that can be really hard because we want to do good things, um, but it's a little tricky, um, you know, cutting out something good. Has, has there been experiences in your life or that you've seen other people do um, where you've had to cut out something good so that you could make time for, for the best or, or better things? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and I, and I think, you know, if I go back to, okay, putting myself in my kids, you know, being my, my kids shoes, like high, high school, <laughs> it's like, I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to get good grades. And it was this juggling act. Oh, and I wanted to be active in church and, you know, do my calling, good priesthood holder, right priesthood holder. And I just thought, well, you know, um, I, I, I could be a really great athlete, like a super athlete, uh, but my grades might suffer because I'm not studying as much. 
And so I had to make those, I had to make those decisions. Like, mm, I'm not going to play year round soccer because mm -hmm. I need to spend time doing some other things. And so I, I, I kind of approached, you know, even though we may not do this now, I think it's still great advice. Like do things in seasons, do them in seasons. Um, times and seasons are very important when it comes to managing just time overall. Um, in fact, I want to go off on a little bit of a tangent if I can, and I'll come back. Of course, of course. Um, there's this great book by Neil Howe called The Fourth Turning is Here. <laughs> and I don't want to give away everything about the book, but essentially the premise is that we manage time um, oftentimes in our modern society in a linear fashion where it's like start to end. Yet in pre-modern eras, we're talking about like before the you know 1400s, um, they managed time or looked at time in a cyclical pattern of seasons and times. Uh, and, you know, he goes on to explain how history repeats itself in different cycles and there are different personalities um, in various cycles of history. And it really has blown my mind as someone who teaches time management is absolutely just destroyed a lot of the paradigms that I'm, I'm <laughs> running in because I'm like, wow, it's, I'm definitely teaching, you know, obviously the modern, you know, paradigm of time management of kind of this linear thing. So that said, mm -hmm. back to good, better, best. If we only look at times like, hey, what's happening in this week or this day, like it's still very linear and it doesn't allow us to focus on, well, what's the season of our life? If you're in the, I'm, you know, just going to school season, then probably the most important thing about your life is going to be getting good grades, period, right? If it is my season in life is now to, you know, get married and have a family, then obviously finding that good job, providing for your family, parenting as a new parent, it's all new. Like that's super, super important. As your kids leave home, you start to prioritize other things like maybe we should make sure they have we have a retirement soon, <laughs> you know? So like there's different seasons in our life. So I, I keep that as the forefront um, of, you know, when we talk about good, better, best, it's really prioritizing, but prioritize in the season. What, what should our focus be? What should my focus be? It's going to be different than my children's focus at, at various ages and stages in life. Well, I really like that insight. When I live in here in Idaho, I grew up in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and really there's only one, maybe two seasons there. When I came here to Idaho, really, <laughs> it was very clear that the seasons were changing. And there was something that I really liked about it. My lifestyle kind of changed. and um, But I really like that approach, taking those goals that you have and, and kind of taking that good, better, better mindset, but recognizing the season or, or that time that you're you're in and, and kind of correlating that um, better. And, and uh, remind me the name of that book. So yeah, achieving balance is the book that uh, I have written. I'm I'm writing now. Balance growth. That one's out for pre-order. Um, you know, I I I don't necessarily. I think I may quote a, you know um, some a David O. McKay quote in there about uh, family and um, you know how that's you know that's the most important part of our our life and things. But at the same time, the good, better, best principle. Um, I actually read, and I think this, this is kind of interesting. I, I read, um, Elder Oaks, uh, now president Oaks, uh, biography. Mm -hmm. 
And he was struggling with balance. And actually, I think that he would, uh, based on on the description, he may even um, classify himself at times. You know, he was a he was a powerful attorney. He was he was a judge. And he was a the president of BYU at the time, and he he juggled was was this a calling or is this a job? And they hmm. said yes, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that was kind of it's a very interesting insight. But um, you know he he struggled um, at that time to really prioritize things. And <laughs> you can imagine like having the demanding schedule, a big family. You know, he was also the equivalent of what would now be, you know, a stake president or he may be an area authority. Um, he he was a, a stake mission president at the time. We don't have those any longer. But, you know, he, he so he had a demanding calling. And I think he would even say that he quite honestly was was a workaholic. Not that the, not in the same sense of like, wow, he workaholic and, and he he neglected his family and neglected church. No, he was just doing everything. And it was wiping him out. So when when he went to write this talk about good, better, best, he was kind of channeling the those times in his life when he was just wiped out. It was like, well, what's the most important thing today? And that's a different time and season. When I was serving as a bishop, one of the best advice that my stake president gave me was like, hey, go out of town once in a while. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> Take your wife and go on vacation. Do all these things. You don't have to be at your ward every single week. You need a break. And it was just the importance of prioritizing what was good, what was better, what was best. And I actually wrote Achieving Balance at at that time when I was called to be a bishop and I started a new business and we had six children at home and we were homeschooling. It, it was a crazy time um, and there was a lot going on. And so having those boundaries and really prioritizing what's most important has really allowed me to 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 not continue to be a workaholic wow what, what great insight um yeah i can only imagine the pressure that he had with all those unique callings and and the added pressure that he had from kind of this um from, i guess from the church or, or just kind of just having to be your calling itself but uh but you, yourself as well kind of all that experience um, definitely wrapped up in, in, in your book. So um, I'll, I'll make sure to include those in, in the show notes there so they can find that as well as the other recommendations that you had. But I did have kind of two last questions here yeah. that we I was hoping we can cover real quick. Um, one of them is kind of what has, what have, what is something you've learned from your kids or kind of what have they taught you about finances? Yeah, it's funny. In the pre-show, just talking with you for a few minutes. My my PhD is in family relations and human development. It's a joint PhD, uh, and I, I did a master's in psychology. So I've been I've spent a lot of time studying relationships, studying uh, parenting relationships. And what's interesting is a lot of parenting books kind of focus in on what to teach your child, how to teach them, how to um, uh, you know discipline them or keep you know, help them to, to learn and grow. And it's very much focused on parent to child. So I really like this question because what we found in parenting is that we, we learn from our children all the time. And, you know, by being a parent, I've learned about money and finances in only a way that a parent can learn, like what's truly, really important um, before I wrote Achieving Balance, I was actually a financial advisor 
And I found that, uh, you know, working with young parents and helping them create a budget so that they have money to invest, have money to save was crucial. Even the ones that were making multiple six figures, a lot of times we're spending all of it and more. So the, you know, the practicality of this is actually very pertinent to, to many out there. Uh, their stats showing that most Americans live on more than their income, no matter what the income. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. But once you have children, you start to think outside of your own priorities. You start to think about your children's priorities. This is good and bad. Why is it good? Well, it's good because you become less selfish. Lots of research on this. Uh, when you go and you serve other people, you feel a sense of, uh, you know, out something greater than you. Um, you know, being able to serve God, we know in scriptures, we we serve people, we serve God, and so I, I think it's, if you look at your own children, we always talk about we need to go serve people. Why don't you serve your own kids, mm. serve your own family. We always talk about we got to get along in our family or love our family. Serve your family. Serve your family. And I, I have found that as I've as I've tried to serve my family, not only as a provider and as a father, but how can I help them? When they're like, Dad, I want to make some money. Great. Um, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to get a job? Do you want to be an entrepreneur and try to create something? And so we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our family and they like to, to be creative when we allow them to do that. So what's what's important to them? What are their priorities? Uh, where, where does that go? And then uh, my wife and I, we meet every week on a Monday night. After family night, we have what we call a, a money Monday night and we <laughs> chat about where money is. We don't necessarily pull up all of our spreadsheets and our assets and income statements. and But uh, typically what we'll do is we'll go over what our priorities are for the family. And mm -hmm. we then assign um, our, you know, our stewardship of money that we have coming in to those priorities first. And what's interesting is when times... Times are tight. We've been through some really tight times going through a PhD program with four or yeah, I think we had four children. We had six by the time we were done. Um, <laughs> um, living on basically, you know, student stipend and student loans. It was crazy. Um, but, you know, we, we made it through um, and we've, we've been able to tell the tale um, and we've been through tough times with the Great Recession, with starting a business and closing a business. I Sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to. Um, but those principles have stayed the same that I've I've learned from having just having my children that what what's their input? What are their priorities? How do we make their summer camps? How do we, you know, deal with young men's activities and and maybe some sports camps or or other camps they want to go to in the summertime? And so we've we tend to have a general rule that we will pay. 50% a lot of the things, especially like, you know, scout camps or church camps and things mm -hmm. that, that they want to attend. And then we help them earn the rest, either if it's in our home doing extra chores or being an entrepreneur and selling popcorn on the side as kids are coming back home mm -hmm. from school, whatever it is, um, we really try to prioritize that just, just by having them. Um, and then obviously learning from them which I think really was your question. I'm kind of getting there. Learning from them, you know, is crucial. 
because there, there are some things that I think when it comes to money that parents always think, well, I know best because I've been around and, um, but taking their input and their advice, especially on family decisions, on family vacations, on uh, we're building a home right now. And I've asked my children to come up with their best house plans and incorporate <laughs> ideas. Uh, that all It all relates to finances. It's all financial uh, related. Absolutely. And I think it's it's super important to have that feedback. And uh, we, we hold a family council. So my wife and I, we, we meet... We meet with our children individually, then we meet all together. And if there are concerns, if there are issues that we need to bring up, um, we will talk to them then. As, and we also look at our family goal. We look at where we're spending our time throughout the week. Honestly, the weeks that we don't do that, you know, we're a big family. It's like running a business. Our our family kind of just is, is skating along and we forget things and we don't have it scheduled the right way. And it's it can be difficult. Um, but that, that's really kept us together and it's allowed me to ask for feedback then. Hey, what about this? What about the other? Now, the other the other part of this, though, is I think we have to be careful that we don't involve our children too much mm-hmm. to the point that it is burdening to them. Our kids know if the business is having a hard time or if the money's tied or if it's doing well. They They know that, too. But they may not know every single detail, nor do they necessarily want them to. I don't want them to necessarily be worried, burdened um, so much that there is a maybe a breach of that relationship, that that relationship becomes what we call in family sense too enmeshed. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the kids are counseling the parents and you've, and you've seen this, this is kind of the extreme is where, you know, sometimes this may happen in single households where a child is out working and now that child feels like, well, I'm bringing money in for the family, so I'm entitled to tell you what to do with it. I'm just bringing up, you know, a a really quick bad example. But um, what I'm getting at here is that there's still lines, like it's still my wife and I, and so we'll take their input and consideration and Mm -hmm. we may say, no, that's not right. We're going to pray about it. We're going to do this thing and we're going to make a decision um, together. Wow. That's just so great. I really like, of course, um, you bring up just this, this great balance, right? Like bringing in their, bringing in their counsel or kind of counseling with them, allowing them to develop that voice, kind of allowing them to maybe ask the right questions or explain themselves or kind of their viewpoint, but still making sure that there's a kind of a a boundary there where uh, maybe they're not counseling you or just so, so that you're still establishing those boundaries and making sure that you're you're being intentional and not involving them too much. So I really appreciate, you know, giving that insight. And and uh, I know we're here kind of wrapping up here. So maybe, maybe we could just ask this last question kind of quickly here. But if you went, uh, if you could go back in time and kind of see yourself uh, maybe, maybe at the beginning uh, of your marriage or kind of going, I don't know, whenever you think might have been the best, if you're able to go back, what kind of financial advice would have you given yourself? You know, I think looking back at now almost 21 years of marriage, managing money alone to me is super simple. Like I could manage my budget on a paper, you know, uh, at, at a restaurant or something like, okay, I need to pay this, this isn't like, it's super simple. Having a family and running a business, uh, this is different. Like having a family in and of itself, um, as we've been talking about some of the complexities and things of having a large family, but, um, 
running a business. I, I my book, uh, Balanced Growth, is really for for dads, for entrepreneurs who are who are running a business and wanting to be a good dad at home. And we talk about balance and stress management and growing a business. And I, I have uh, several ways to help you keep that balance. Um, but the reason I bring that up is is because. I see now things more in cycles and patterns where when I first was out off my own, yeah, money was, was easy to manage. I needed money. I'd go make it and I'd spend it. And it was just up to me, right? Uh, it's no big deal. Um, but I had my goals. Like I was still very goal-oriented. I wanted to save for my mission, which I did. I wanted to save for a car, which I did. I wanted to save um, to go off to college. And I came up short, but I still managed to graduate. <laughs> um <laughs> But that said, uh, you know, if I if I could look back and tell myself one thing um, that would maybe be helpful is I've actually taken uh, my journal and I will journal frequently about our money situation and be like, hey, this is how I feel about the business right now or how I feel about having a lot or having little or somewhere in between. And I've seen some I've seen some cycles in my life. Um, sometimes they're directly correlated with um, recessions or you know with downturns in the economy. And it's been interesting to me to see how I've reacted to hard times, good times and you know and lean times. And I kind of come back to Joseph in Egypt where he was interpreting Pharaoh's dream about hey, there's gonna be seven years of famine and seven years of plenty and I don't think it was in that order, seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And how I wish I could go back and say, all right, here's where the famine's coming. So save up and stop spending. But I think one of the biggest things that we do, uh, and I say we as humans, is is we feel entitled to things. And so as soon as like, okay, business is doing well, what do we tend to do? We tend to give ourselves a raise. We tend to spend more on things. We tend not to be as particular about our priorities. And it can get us sideways. And then the true, you know, then, then then the flip side is when we're in tough times, which this year was a tough year for I know a lot of people. Um, it was leaner for us a little bit on, on on many fronts, and so then we're a little more tighter with what's our real priority. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was just crazy because my wife and I we've actually kept a budget since the beginning of our marriage, like. When we first got married, I'm like, honey, I'm a financial planner. I'm a goal person. Like, let's sit down. We're going to go over our budget. She's like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, it's going to be what you run someday because I'm not doing this everything. And we sat down with graph paper and we like created a financial you know, plan essentially. And we started working off that. We have kept records since the beginning of our marriage. And now we can go back and be like, oh my goodness, we lived off of like next to nothing. And now look at what look at what we're spending on food for our family. Like it's crazy to compare. Um, You know, we tend to sometimes, especially in financial planning is we tend to like, just look at our retirement or uh, maybe our, our debt load or things like of long-term nature, but having this history of our day-to-day income and our finances are for our family um, and being able to see how we've used the stewardship that God has given us and allowed us to manage is sometimes very humbling. And I, I guess I wish that I could have the mentality of keep your priorities tight on your money. 
like you know be able to 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 be tight with that and in even in good times know that lean times are going to come again and be way more prepared we feel like we're prepared and we're pretty prepared people we have extra food storage and all these other things but even then um when if and when everything hits the fan are we really ready we blow through our emergency funds we pull from retirement accounts and then we go into debt like that's what people do in america and wouldn't it be better that you know we have so much more prepared for the future so i, I think i would tell my my younger self like be prepared for that <laughs> and then when you think you're prepared be even more prepared for you know years of of downturn especially as a business owner Wow. That's, uh, that's really great. Um, I'm a big fan of, of journal writing and I like how you talked about how you kind of talked about these emotions from, from your finances and kind of talked about what you're going through. And that tool itself seems just extremely helpful to kind of get things out and kind of understand your, your background. But I can just see how over, over a course of a life, you're able to kind of go back and see, uh, you know, and analyze maybe, maybe the way you've thought or the way you've um, worked through things. Um, and, and I think that's just a valuable thing that makes sure that if there's seven years of famine and, and seven years of wealth and kind of just be being prepared, making sure you're always preparing for that opportunity. So thanks again for all your insight here today. I uh, really appreciate um, everything. And I'll make to, sure to to add your your book there. I hope they can, uh, you know, get gain further insight from you in, in your book. And thanks again for, for being here with us today. Appreciate it, Daniel. Thanks for letting me be here. Thanks.